Get the scoop on Tigers today. Tigers SRD on SportsRadioDetroit.com. Welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD here on the Tiger Mind League Report Network and, of course, at SportsRealDetroit.com. I'm Roger Castillo. Alongside me is Chris Brown. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, Stitcher, and Google Play. Follow us on Twitter at Tigers Mind League Report and the new Facebook page, Tigers Mind League Report. So check it out. Some great content available. Joe Rampey talking some zips from Fangraphs and if we if we're if our cards line up right, Chris looks like we'll have a guest talk about that next week, correct? That's the hope. Yep. Yep. So yeah, tentatively scheduled. Tentatively scheduled. That's right. So, and uh, just as a new thing for 2020, by the way, there'll be samples of certain rap and sometimes even like various alternative classics in between our breaks and what have you spun in there. So, if you're interested and if you want to know what we're playing, just let us know. So that's a new feature we're gonna have roll out. Also, a couple things coming out that I want to mention, too, before I forget. So, Saturday will be an episode. It's not a team. It's not a, rebu- it's not a rebuild. It's yeah, a don't team. Don't call it a rebuild. It's a team build. Yep. There we go. Yeah. The, the long it's title. <laughs> so, that will be rolling out Saturday. we got some other stuff coming up, too. But uh, that's, we're going to keep that ho-hum. But there's some, some good stuff coming up on in terms of podcast side and some written stuff on the side, too. So, uh, look forward to all the content coming out there. But... The content gods rewarded us today, Chris. Twitter was an absolute hailstorm. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was one of those wacky days, and it's it took like thirteen different twists and turns. It still seems to be twisting and turning. Although uh, the latest thing I've seen seems to put a lot of it to rest. But uh, yeah, it was a wild day. It was a fun day for baseball Twitter. It's the sort of uh, nonsense that I've been asking for from the baseball off season. The sort of things we like to like about the NBA offseason, the, the you know just ridiculousness of people being petty and just the the pointless drama and rumors that don't even matter if they're true or not. And uh, yeah, I mean this cheating scandal. I'm sure baseball's hating it, but it's providing an awful lot of interest in the sport, which is uh, which is fun. People might tune in just to see the Astros get booed. So I'm with it. Yeah, I mean if we hear this all the time. We hear the buzzer sound effect. I'm just going to keep playing that all day, all during the show. So I mean, it's, <laughs> so we, now we have to guess, Chris. What kind of buzzer sound was it? Was it something where it was? Was it kind of like uh, like this, like the your typical buzzer sound, or is it something where it's the the, the Price is Right thing going off the entire time, <laughs> or uh, the uh, was it the Royal Rumble count or the Royal Rumble, the oh, countdown? Boy, no like, eh. oh, you never watched wrestling, so I did a little bit, but. Yeah. I never really paid much attention. I use it, you know, my friends would watch while I drank. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's, I've watched a lot, too much, uh, too much wrestling. But uh, before we get into all the baseball stuff, because we'll start with Tiger stuff, uh, Chris and I, the Oscars was announced real quick. And I did want to talk about that oh, for yeah. five minutes because th- that was announced. And I think that was kind of important because you and I are both movie guys. And so everybody out there who wants your baseball talk, it'll come in just a second. But, the list of best nom- – it's the first time in a long time that I've actually seen more than – or almost half of the movie list on the Oscars for best movies. Yeah, I think I'm with you there, at least fairly close. Um, I don't know, do, you, do you have the uh, best picture nominees yep. in front of you? I, I know a handful of them. So the 1917, which I'm going to actually go see tomorrow. I saw it. I'll talk about it in a minute. Yep, Four versus Ferrari, which I saw last night. I haven't we, seen it. We, uh, we both saw Joker. Yeah. Both saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Correct. Parasite, I did not see that. No, I really want to. I've heard some good things about it. Uh, the Irishman? Haven't watched it yet. It's on, I haven't watched that or Marriage Story. They're just sitting there on Netflix, and I haven't watched them yet. I haven't watched Marriage Story either. Uh, Little Women? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's great, but and, no. And Jojo Rabbit? 
which I, uh, yeah, that was one that I, I, I do want to see it, but I wasn't going to go to the theater to see that. It's, it's, uh, Is that the Hitler musical or whatever? It's, yeah, it's about a kid who has an imaginary friend who's, who is Hitler. It's, it's the, the director is the guy who did Thor Ragnarok and, and plays the voice of the rock man in that movie. Yeah. Or in, in the Marvel. I don't know his name, but I could, I could butcher it, but I'm not going to. And by the way, Sam Rockwell's in, which was my favorite, one of my favorite actors. Yeah. No, he's, Sam Rockwell is, is pretty wild. Yeah. He's always, he's always doing something really cool. And Steve Merchant's in it too, by the way. So yeah, I think so. I've seen what three, <laughs> which is better for me than like the the last year that I really saw almost every uh, picture was like two thousand nine or two thousand eight. I think the only one I missed that year was the Fighter, and I don't know what year that was, and I still have never seen that. I never seen the Gladiator. Where he talks about how great that movie is as an Oscar. A Gladiator, yeah, with uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah, it was it was fine. I. I, I maintain that Russell Crowe got his Oscar for that because they screwed him out of the Oscar the year before for The Insider. But I'm kind of uh, alone in my strange affection for The Insider. Not alone, but uh, I don't think people like it as much as I do. But anyway, um, yeah, no, so I, I mean, we talked about The Joker to uh, for a while with Perry, that one, one show. And I think we also touched on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on our show, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We talked about we, that. Uh, you saw Ford vs. Ferrari. I saw 1917. Wait, was the Insider a Michael Mann movie? That's the one I that I haven't I've have not seen. That. I've heard I've heard nothing but good things about it. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But yeah, it's it's Michael Mann uh, directed it. Uh, Russell Crowe plays a. It's it's basically it's about the sixty minute story in the mid nineties that helped expose what the cigarette manufacturers knew about nicotine and, and how it was addictive and how they denied it. And it, it led to all these lawsuits against cigarette companies, basically. Uh, and, and it's about the struggle behind the scenes of how the cigarette company was, uh, you know, threatened to buy CBS. Uh, Al Pacino plays a producer. Christopher Plummer plays uh, Mike Wallace. Ned Ryerson is in it. Oh, dude. I forget. <sighs> I don't know his real name, but uh, no, it's, it's just a, it's for me, it's, it's kind of a slow burn movie, but there are just a couple unforgettable scenes and it's just a kind of like a taut uh, corporate political drama that I love and the acting is, is terrific. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know if you want to talk about Ford versus Ferrari or. Yeah. Ford. So for anybody out there who has not seen Ford versus Ferrari, go out and see it real quick. Cause it's, it's so Christian Bale plays Ken Giles. Who was a driver for the Ford team that would win the first first the only they're the only American company that would ever want would 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 win at Le Mans, and essentially it's a story of Carol Shelby and him. Matt, Carol Shelby played by Matt Damon, Christian Bale who plays Ken Giles or Ken um, the driver that I'm referring to, and then Henry Ford II was in there, and then the Lee Iacocca Tuzo as well as is in, is in that movie and. The way it was shot, the way that the car scenes were, was really well done. I really enjoyed every, really liked that movie a lot. And I've read, I've read three books on the Ford family themselves. Like I, the Ford family has always been intriguing to me because just in terms of what Henry Ford, like viewed as a tyrant, kind of a spoiled brat, and the struggle between him and Leah Coca, which was why Leah Coca left to go to Chrysler in the eighties, and but just they captured it really, really well. And it's, I, I don't know, the, the visuals in there were really good, well done. I, I know, I really, really liked this. It was one of my favorite movies I've seen in a while, and something I would consider getting, like, a movie poster for that's, I mean, all my movie posters are Star Wars or sci-fi, or in this case, I'm looking at my replacements poster, but it was just really well done. And Christian Bale did a really hell of a job capturing Ken Miles, who was a pretty, was an English was an English driver who lived in California and, and Designed his own cars, did a lot of that work too. And Josh Lucas, by the way, has a punchable face. If, if you're not familiar <laughs> with Josh Lucas, he's in American Psycho, he's in A Beautiful Mind. I think he's in Glory. Um, what is that movie? Uh, Tom Hanks. Uh, no, 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 that's no. I'm thinking, what's that? Bas- he was in a basketball movie. Is he in Glory Road? Is that Glory Road? I'm thinking of. I don't know. Uh, maybe I, I, I know two other movies that he was in. One of them is. 
I've gone forgotten the name, but it's a romantic comedy starring Josh Duhamel and the girl from Knocked Up. Um, but he's also uh, hilariously he plays a bad guy in a movie about John Holmes, um, about the Wonderland murders. Oh, really? He plays he plays like a bad, um, <laughs> a bad motorcycle gangster, and Val Kilmer plays John Holmes. It's uh. I don't know. It was a fun, bad movie. But in any event, yes, uh, I tend to agree. He's kind of punchable. I think he was also in, like, he was in Dead D- Poets Society. I think he's been around forever. Really? You know what he was into that I and I haven't had a chance to see this yet? Is uh, Well, no, I saw a part of it. I'm sorry. I, saw, I didn't finish watching through. It was Jay Hager. No. Yeah, I never watched that. There was a string of, like, those biopics for a while that I never bothered <laughs> to watch. Um, But, yeah, so, you know, I've... I've, I've Heard a lot of good things about Ford vs. Ferrari. I heard people call it a dad movie in in a non pejorative sense. Like, yes, yeah, it's a perfect dad movie, and I do want to see it. But I don't know. It was just one of those things. I've never been a huge car guy. I was briefly, and then I crashed my car, and that was it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I so 1917 when I first saw the original trailer, I was like, oh, interesting. There, you don't you don't see many World War One movies these days. Seems like they're just squeezing every drop out of World War Two they can. Um, and then I heard heard that like the central conceit of it was that the idea that it was shot like it was one continuous scene. It just follows the characters, and you know that's a gimmick, but it also made me really interested to see it. And I'm like, huh, well that's fun. I love a good tracking shot. You know, the, some of the most memorable shots in, in movies are those ones that are just one. You know, what is the uh, the restaurant scene there in Goodfellas? It's just one take, and it goes around and around, and, and it's pretty sweet. And I, th- I think there are a bunch of them in Tarantino movies. I think of a couple in, in Children of Men that are great. But uh, so yeah, I went and saw it, and uh, man, I was just riveted the whole time. And, and I was kind of disappointed. <laughs> when I came home, I saw a lot of people. I read a lot of reviews, and a lot of people said, oh, you know, it's technical wizardry, but you can't help but notice it the whole time, and you don't pay attention and there's no story and no character development. I was like, I didn't care, man. It was, <laughs> it was uh, I don't know, there was enough story for me. And, and yeah, you don't really get to know a bunch of characters because you're just following these dudes, these pair of dudes. But, man, was it intense at times. Like, I, I, you know, it's, it's like an hour and 50 minutes long. And it gets compared to Saving Private Ryan because it's, it's sort of a similar story where, in this case, a... Uh, a guy is pulled aside and told that his brother's unit, uh, whatever, you know, 1600 men battalion, they, uh, they're walking into a trap and the radio lines have been cut. So he has to get to his brother in like a day or else they're going to get slaughtered. So it's similar, you know, it's, it's kind of like saving private Ryan in that way. But, uh, you know, if you remember saving private Ryan, the most intense scene in that movie was probably the, the you know, stormy of the beach. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think there's like an hour, forty-five minutes to an hour of 1917 that's that intense. Wow! It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's really there's a lot to it, and you 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 know, I don't know. I I really enjoy it. I I would not be the least bit surprised if it wins Best Picture, but who knows? Maybe they'll give it to The Irishman, which I haven't seen yet. I hope they don't, because Irishman. I mean, the more I thought, I have, I saw it. And it that was kind of it was kind of boring to me. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna lie. It's it was okay. It was it was all right. Well, it's a three and a half hour movie about uh, directed by an old man about old people getting old, and dying, <laughs> and like facing your death. So, I, it just depends on who's voting, I guess. You know, I, I bet you that resonates a lot with older movie fans. Uh, and I think unfortunately people are too old to have the World War One movie, or, or not. Nobody's old enough to have that one resonate with them. Although when I went, I went on like a Friday afternoon and they had bust in a bunch of uh, seniors, including one hilariously loud woman who uh, apparently couldn't hear her own voice. But in any event, I, I would recommend going to see that movie at the theater and to let me know what you think of it because I, I was way into it. Do you know what the, uh, the, the oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to see 1917 tomorrow. There might be a good chance before we go do that thing we got to do tomorrow night that we're not telling anybody about. Uh, yeah, I might go do that tomorrow, like after work. So, uh, that being said, all that be- let's get to baseball. There's quite a bit. To Speaking talk of about. nineteen and seventeen, <laughs> that would 
uh, I guess you'd have to get 36 starts at least. Uh, speaking of... Uh, maybe an opener could do that. Sorry. You know, I was gonna say, <laughs> that, that could happen too. Or Speaking of 1917 kind of baseball ideas, because that might be happening oh. in this case. They're, they're in the... Yours was better, though. I will say mine was a little bit of a stretch. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, either way. Huh? So a lot, of, a, lot, a lot happened today in baseball. Let's start with the Tigers news, though, and kind of recap a little bit. So the non-roster invitees was displayed today in terms of who's heading the camp. Uh, of course, Brandon Dixon, Zach Gottlieb, the recently signed from the Diamondback, or Diamondbacks and Blue Jays, Nick Ramirez, Frank Swindell, who we saw last year. Didn't he hit a home run when in Toledo when we saw him? He did hit a home run. He almost hit a second one to tie it. Yeah, he had, yeah, he had some good power. He came over from the Royals and Alex Wilson, who was with the Brewers last year. Then he had some injuries and never came back, but he's now back in camp and can make the chance as a reliever. The full list includes Tim Eilman, our minor league player of the year, pitcher for AAA last year, Dario Agazal, Agazal, Sandy Baez, Nolan Blackwood, uh, the Ching Chang. Uh, yeah, shout Ching Chang. Alex Fado, Matt Manning, Casey Mize. You know, and this name struck me as odd, Chris. Uh, Jerson Moreno making a chance. Uh, uh, oh, Harrison Moreno? Yeah. Well, that's, you know, he was on the 40 man a couple years ago, and they really liked him. And then he, remember, he was removed, and everybody's like, what the hell happened? And then it turned out he had Tommy John surgery. Yeah. He disappeared so, for a uh, while. Yeah, I mean, at, at one point, he looked like a future setup guy, even. So it'd be interesting to see what he looks like. Uh, Vladimir Pinto, uh, Alex, you know, I mentioned Alex, and then Scooble and Joey Wentz, Cooper Johnson, because the Tigers' catching depth is pretty thin. Well, they always they, yeah. they always invite catchers, like just yeah. about every catcher they can. No, I was just I realized too, Chris. There, I thought there was maybe some more catchers in there. So well, they uh, have they have four. We can talk about that. They have four on the forty man. So I think they added three more on the. On the non-roster invitees, right? Yeah. Polacelli, Cooper Johnson, and who else? Chris uh, Proctor? No, uh, Zavik. Kate, uh, Kate. Oh, Kate, Kate Zavik. Yeah, okay. Kate Zavik, yep. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, he's seven catchers. That that should be enough. Yeah. They, and then for the outfield, by, when I mentioned, uh, or the, the the other infielder I didn't mention was uh, Daniel uh, Pinero. And then Alzacar, Jorge Bonifacio, who was the non-roster invitee from Kansas City, Jacob Robson. And Daniel Woodrow, Woodrow, excuse me, will be added there, and also, of course, Ante Castro, Bo Burrows, Isaac Paredes, and Damon Das Cameron, who are Derek Hill and Troy Stokes Jr. So those will be the ones who are on the forty man. But Troy Stokes Jr. still, I'm still, still scratched by the scratching my head about that a little bit. But well, they obviously like him. I mean, we, we talked about this privately, but but they've had four or five different chances to, you know, since they added him to the forty man, they've had four or five different chances to get rid of him when they made these moves. And they haven't. They've they've done it with other people, Ronnie Rodriguez and you know Dario Agrizal, Matt Hall, and uh, so they obviously like something about him. Yeah, and speaking of Matt Hall, he was released to make room for veteran starter. Who I I just it was funny, Chris. I just tweeted out on the I believe it was on or it was on the it was on the show. Yeah, it was on the show Twitter account that the Tigers should be looking at possibly Ian Nova, and then two hours later it happened. So I sent for oh, wow, I missed that. Yeah. yeah, so it was a one-year deal. Because I, I was personally, I, I'm still, I, I, you know, I was actually thinking for them to go after the Diamondback starter uh, Walker or Noah as a possibility, but I thought he cost him a little more. But he's only, his deal is only $1.5 million. He's just going to turn 33 this week. So, you know, he's another former pirate. Somebody pointed out to me. It was on Twitter. It's pretty funny. But last year, I mean, his last second half of the season, seven seven and five of the area, three point seven two in his final sixteen starts, as uh, Jason Beck pointed out. But he's a guy who can throw innings. He's thrown one hundred fifty or more innings the last three inning, the last three seasons, Chris. And I like the signing a lot. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It's not going to move the needle much one way or the other. But it's kind of a remarkable bargain. <laughs> um, I mean, he's not. He's a fourth starter, fifth starter, but as you said, he's been really consistent. He's been like a one and a half to two win player for the last four years, I think. And uh, yeah, I, I think you just mentioned that he actually was pretty good down the second half last year. I think he would have been the Tigers' 
best starter in the second half last year ahead of Turnbull and then Norris and uh, I think Zimmerman and uh, Boyd were about the same. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it adds somebody else to take up a lot of innings. It's you know, better than what they were trying to do last year with Edwin Jackson and Ryan Carpenter and things like that. And one interesting thing that, that I was looking at when I was doing a little deeper diving, it didn't seem to help him tremendously last year, but he brought Nova brought his cutter back for the first time in like five years since he had Tommy John surgery. And it was his best pitch in terms of swings and misses and strikeouts. So uh, and there's, you know, he's evolving still. And it just, yeah, that the price, I think it's, it's one and a half million with like 500,000 in incentives. So maybe 200 or 2 million. And when you look at him, he's not all that different at least in, in his numbers and performance from like uh, Mike Leak, or I think Mike Leak's making like $16 million a year. And, well. uh, or like Julio Tehran, who signed a one-year $9 million deal, $9 million deal with the Angels. Like they're really not that far apart in terms of uh, results over the last four or five years. So in terms of, you know, bang for the buck, this is one of the Tigers' better signings in a while. It, even though it's not terribly exciting at all. But we always talk about, you know, you get yourself some average major leaguers. It's it's a good way to start. And the more of those you have, the better you're going to be. And, and that's what he is. He's kind of a fringe average major leaguer. Yeah, he had 11 quality starts last year. That would have been second on the team behind Matthew Boyd. And the guys behind him, Carpenter, I'm trying to think it was Carpenter, there's a couple four for fifth starters who didn't combine from close to, the, or all of them was him, Zimmerman, Edwin Jackson, I forgot the other starter combined for uh, combined for eleven or eleven combined. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I mean, if if it's if you're going to have one of your younger younger pitchers possibly make the roster on the on the fort, like your your rotation kind of shapes up like this at the moment. So you have Matthew Boyd, you have Spencer Turnbull, you have Ian Noah, you have Zimmerman. But I I you know I don't, I don't know Chris I, I I've been thinking about this for a long time and. I don't know. I think by by midsummer, Zimmerman might buy out, buy or like not bought out, but just I don't know. Like it just it doesn't feel like he's going to last the whole year. No, I would agree. I, I would. I think that he's going to get until his first injury, basically, or his first long term injury. Right. Uh, and he may. He's probably going to retire after this year anyway. I mean, we're going on five years or whatever. Uh, very poor pitching. And you know, no matter how proud you are, it's this is probably not going to be a market for him elsewhere. Um, but I, yeah, I would expect right as of right now, if if the season were to start tomorrow, it would be Boyd, Turnbull, Norris, Nova, and Zimmerman as the starting five, and then you know Tyler Alexander will work in there, and then eventually you got the, all the guys in AAA, and that that to me that's mostly what this was was it it just buys them a little bit more time to keep the guys in the minors. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's entirely necessary. At some point you want these, these arms to start, you know, trial by fire in the majors before they blow up. But I, I think part of it is the Tigers just really, really want to hoard their prospects for as long as they can. So they can get a really nice core at one time and then bring them up in, in, a, in a wave. So, but you know, you can never ever have too much starting pitching, and uh, for one point five million dollars, you can do a lot worse. Yeah, and you can put possibly put Tyler Alexander in the bullpen and serve yeah. your, your another lefty specialist behind Nick. I mean, Nick Ramirez wasn't bad last year, but we saw no, I was perfectly happy with him. Yeah, and he Ramirez did a lot of mop up duty, and you could put Tyler Alexander in the same kind of role. So that, you know, but for. But getting back to Moreno real quick, too, he's only 24, Chris. That's the thing that blows my mind about this. He hasn't – it's not like he's – I mean, he's been with the organization since 2013, so that puts him a you know, 16-, 17-year-old kid. So he's – the most innings he's thrown in one season has been 50. I mean, as a reliever. Yeah, he's – I don't know if he's ever started again. He may have in the DSL. That's it, yeah. Got, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's been a reliever. Like I said, I think he was up to double A when he blew out his arm. And he was on the forty man, and and we had thought that uh, he had a chance to be a setup guy. So, and I don't know, he must have gotten back last year. I'm, I'm sure he did. Yep, he was done. Know, it was pro- probably toward the end of the year when people weren't paying a whole lot of attention. It was probably in the Gulf Coast League. 
That is correct. He did start in the Gulf Coast League last year. Seven game or seven games, and he started six. And he started six of them. So, but uh, it's been the Gulf Coast, by the way. The Caribbean World Series is coming up on February first. The Cuban National Series and uh, the Guano National. I mean, not a lot of people care about Cuban baseball, and that's fine. But that's going on. So it's been nice to see to fill their baseball void. You know, out there while if you're if you're getting your baseball Jones and. We'll get to all the rumor stuff. The other the other move that was happened too, and Dario got ended up coming back to Toledo. He cleared waivers. The Tigers pick up for cash considerations. Eric, say Eric Haas. Haas. So Eric Haas, mm-hmm. all power, no walk. Gentleman spent some time in Cleveland, but has for local anybody locally by the way, Dearborn Divine Child graduate has won two two state titles here in twenty I believe it's twenty eleven and twenty ten. And his numbers in in excuse me in Columbus, two twenty six, three fifteen, five seventeen with twenty eight home runs and sixty RBIs, and had a really good fill out percentage, Chris forty one percent. So the Tigers apparently want some more catchers, but there's a chance for him to get some more playing time. I don't know it's it's competitive in the sense that here you, here you go with you walk into the camp with Jake Rogers who kind of struggled struggled on his call up a little bit. Grayson Grinder didn't uh, at times kind of he was he never really even came back an injury from full form. Not a lot of power there, but you got a power bat here and a decent arm. Yeah, I mean he, I think he struck out thirty percent of the time, like in each of the last three seasons. The minors, he's just a, he's a big strikeout guy. He he walks a little bit, but he probably won't walk a ton in the majors. And yeah, and he's got power. He's he's a he's not all that different from Jake Rogers on the offensive profile. The defense, he's not quite as uh as good as a defender as is rogers but he does have a strong arm it's uh you know rogers really stands out for his super quick release he just gets the ball out so quickly and, and Haas isn't like that but his arm is a little bit stronger so yeah it's, it's a solid package it does make me wonder you know they, they they went out and got this guy they pursued him and they paid money for him it just makes you wonder a little bit about how they view jake rogers um not not to say that like you know, they're going to cut Jake Rogers or anything like that. But the, how poorly he played last year, I wonder if it made them wonder, like, is this guy really going to be our catcher of the future? Or or do we need to protect ourselves in the event of another injury or just add some depth? Or do they need somebody to uh, challenge him, you know, basically compete for playing time until, you know, to, I don't know, threaten him to change his ways or just try to get him to perform better. But uh it's just, it's kind of odd to me to see four catchers on the forty man roster, but who knows? Maybe they're just protecting themselves uh, from what happened last year when you know they had to play Bobby Wilson and bring up Jake Rogers when he was uh, not ready. But yeah, anyway, it doesn't hurt to have catching depth. Yeah, I was going to say too, in, in across the board, Chris doesn't. There's not a lot of catching depth on. I mean, even, I'm trying to think about who's going to be starting Erie this year. It's going to be. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm talking about head. You know, so, yeah, so, yeah, you're right. So Vic's gonna be down there, and but uh, let's try. To think. There's the Brad, uh, Brad uh, Poticelli. I mean, that guy's still yeah, up. Brady Poticelli. Yeah, the, yeah, he'll probably be up there. I don't know where if Chris Proctor has spent enough time in Lakeland or not. You know, he was in West Michigan for a while, and uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit thin, especially in the lower ranks, but. It'll get all worked out. You never know. They'll sign a 31-year-old minor league veteran. And obviously, it's been hurt by the, the tragic passing of Chase Nevada, but uh, the show goes on, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, and look at I mean, if look at the if you look at the depth chart too for catchers across the board for the Tigers in general. I mean, I, yeah, I could see him starting. I could see him starting off in Toledo, and if one of the, yeah, you're right, just kind of coming up and making do and, and going up back out there. I mean, Joey Morgan. And I mean, you talk about we saw. Oh, God, I forgot about Joey Martin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah, I, he'll be in. I think he'll be in Double A. I, I don't know. Yeah, he was in. He was. He spent some time in Triple A last year, and then there's another guy too, um, a left-handed bat, uh, John uh, Rose Rosoff. Rossoff, yeah. Yeah, Rossoff. I don't. I, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I never heard of him. Yeah, I remember him uh, briefly, but I don't. I couldn't tell you a whole lot about him. That's just the way it is. These catchers just will show up, and. Uh, They'll be hanging around for like four years. You're like, what's going on? And they played like 30 games in four years. But you know, that's a, that's a good source for for future coaches too. A lot of uh, future coaches come from 
random. So yeah, it looks like Rossoff was a undrafted free agent who played four years for the uh, Army. Well, there you go. Yeah, and then, yeah, didn't uh, ever, he hit a couple home runs in college, one in, in pro ball last year. But, yeah, it's just, just, a, just a guy who they probably like his leadership and his, his uh, defensive abilities. And you look for him to be the, the hitting coach in Connecticut in, like, three years, if Connecticut is still around. <laughs> and then, you know, I forget, too, that we're – we're going to see, hopefully, Alcir Alfonso maybe starting West Michigan this year. Yeah, I, I would I would think he's going to get a chance to go to West Michigan because his bat has proven to be pretty advanced, at least from a from basketball, getting on base perspective. He's not, he's not having a whole lot of power. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they'll want to get him a full season role now. I think he's, what, 20, 19, 20, so it's ready. Yeah, looking forward to seeing him, too. There's, there's some potential yeah. right there. Uh, but uh, so we were talking about this earlier, the potential uh, – I'm trying to do the segue. The potential of all this cheating. There's a lot of cheating going on, Chris, in baseball. <laughs> there's just uh, Mike Trout rumors going on, the the Astros, and, and it just uh, – we mentioned this earlier, the buzzard, and, like, just, yeah. uh, you know, like, what is going on, man? Like, what is, what is real and what is fiction is – that's where we should start at. And so – Let's start with really the the Astros and just okay. So let's go with the World Series and the whole. Let's go with the firing first. Let's let's start, let's start okay. there. So, well, I mean, if we, I mean, all this stuff has happened since we last recorded, hasn't it? So, yeah. the yeah the report from Rod Manfred dropped uh, basically said that uh, the Astros were. Engaging in a years-long uh, coordinated effort to cheat, they were they doing they were doing it before Major League Baseball explicitly came out and said, "Hey, you can't use electronic devices to cheat." And apparently, there's evidence they still were doing it after that. But it was, you know, as always, it was very interesting. There was there was no real evidence that AJ Hench, the manager, knew about it. I mean, obviously, you would expect him to know something's going on. Um, but he wasn't a, apparently he wasn't a willing participant and even smashed the camera twice, supposedly. So he must have known something. Uh, or that GM Jeff Luno knew much. There, he got two emails but didn't seem to you know, register with him. But the ruling from Major League Baseball was that they should have known. So they were both suspended for a year. And then the Astros, uh, Jim Crane, fired them both. Um, funnily enough, you, you could make the same argument, though, that the owner should have known too, right? Uh, but certainly the commissioner who works for the owners will never say that. In fact, he came out with was overly fawning of Jim Crane, which is just what you know what you expected. They, the baseball, they wanted to punish these guys and make it go away. And I don't think they were kind of anticipating what, I mean, maybe they were anticipating what would happen. But uh, so, yeah, the, the fallout just continued. So then we had Alex Cora, who was the bench coach, for the Astros in that 2017 season was heavily implicated. Uh, I think maybe even said he was one of the ringleaders of the trash can banging scheme. And as I tweeted once, uh, who among us hasn't banged a trash can or two, but uh, yeah. So that he goes to the, the Red Sox and they win the world series in 2018. But now there's another report about them using electronic devices to, to, to cheat and so everybody's like, well, man, what's he going to get? Two years, lifetime ban? And then so the Red Sox are like, ah, we'll just fire you. <laughs> so that's the second manager. And then today, the rumor started last night because Carlos Beltran was one of the players involved in this, and he's he's been hired by the Mets. So all these rumors like, oh, well, what about him? And it just kind of built to a crescendo this morning where he, he resigned, I believe, in lieu of being fired. And that's, after all that, that's when things just really got batshit crazy. Um we could break it down a little bit, or uh, yeah, go yeah, let's yeah, you know what, let's yeah, let's do a conspiracy. You know what? Hold on, let me uh, let me pull up the old. Uh... By the way, I was playing the McLaughlin Group, Dana Carvey, going wrong, wrong, wrong. Issue number one. Yeah, <laughs> wrong. Jack, Jack, Chuck, Book, Cannon. Patty, Patty, Book, Book. Yeah. By the way, my son. I used to play those for my son. He yeah. loved. He loved those. He did. He was like. He was like. Can I watch it from like? Oh, wow, sorry, but. All right, go ahead. Yeah, what's, what's so funny about the just a sidetrack? So oh, yeah. funny about those is that you don't really even need to know. I mean, that was actually like all current events at the time and real people, but you don't need to know any of that because it's so bizarre and over the top. But 
Yeah, so the first thing that happened was an account, a Twitter account, that people believed to be Carlos Beltran's niece tweeted out that she felt awful for her uncle and this was so unfair and then said that Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve wore buzzers under their jerseys on their shoulders to let them know what pitches were coming and then said, I have pictures, but for a later date. And then the internet went wild, as the internet does. Like, oh, oh. And, and so they were looking around. People found pictures. There was a, a walk-off home run in the playoffs where Altuve hit a homer and then was telling his teammates not to rip off his shirt. And everybody was like, well, that's obviously he doesn't want to get figured out. There's a buzzer in there. And then he went, ran into the dugout and then came back with a different shirt on. So that, that was the first bit. And then people found pictures of Josh Reddick with what appeared to be... <laughs> Uh, uh, like a band-aid or masking tape on his chest. And everybody's like, hey, Josh, you, want, you got any comments about this? Huh? Huh? And then more pictures showed up, and it was like, oh, that's clearly like gold confetti because they won. Um, but that was much later. That was after hours of speculation. So then, uh, yeah, all this is going on. And then there was uh, an accusation of the Yankees cheating and Glaber Torres having a buzzer on his thigh and the Yankees having two cameras in the in the, the bullpen, and everybody's like, "What is going on? What in the world?" Meanwhile, there are all these other players, Trevor Bauer and other players, who are like, "Yeah, for what it's worth, I've heard this too, about the buzzers." Uh, so the players are chiming in, so it's getting really serious. And then a story comes out that this account is not Carlos Beltran's niece, and not related to him at all. It never was like, well, wait a minute, what? Because it's been right about like three stories before mainstream media got them. So it was clearly somebody connected. So then there's a tweet from Gary Sheffield Jr. that says, hey, that's not his niece. That's a player. That's definitely a player. So then everybody's like, huh. Well, now this is getting even more fun. Uh, and see, where are we? And then shortly thereafter. <laughs> where are we? <laughs> yeah, well, it was just such right. a crazy day. So shortly thereafter. A, a screenshot of a Instagram post, I think, from Scott Brosius's son. Yeah. Said, my dad was the third base coach for the Mariners in 2017. He knew that they were cheating. He knew what they were doing. Everybody knew. Major League Baseball knew, but they weren't going to do anything until uh, the public found out about it. And he said that his dad used to pretend like he was stealing signs just to get Cora and Hinch all upset with him. So it's like, oh, this is fun. And then below that, he's like, by the way, Mike Trout uses HGH. <laughs> for a, like, in quotes, scare quotes, before a thyroid issue, uh, he found a loophole. And MLB won't say anything about it because he's the best player. So and then, and then somebody else, I, a random person, but somebody who seems to be fairly respected, I don't know, um, said, I uh, can independently corroborate that HGH thing for Mike Trout. It's like, what in the hell's going on? Uh, but in honesty, if you do have a thyroid issue, I think um, HGH is what you need. But it was just kind of odd that we hadn't heard about it. So then, who knows? Lots more players chiming in. Lots of things happening. And then just before we went on air, I saw somebody connect the dots that this fake Carlos Beltran niece is actually a well-known Twitter scammer named like Incarcerated Bob who nobody really knows who the hell that is, but has been connected to dozens of different Twitter accounts over the years, and it's involving gambling and breaking news and selling salacious stories and stuff like that. So we may have all just been victimized by like a huge troll, but it was still super fun. And I think that's all of it. You know what? The the, the part about Mike Trout cracked me up too was because then he was... Okay, so Yankees fans were getting upset because they got screwed over and... You know, Red Sox fans are going out there to say, you know, there was just there's a lot of back and forth between these two teams. And what what cracked me up was then I realized that our favorite our favorite type of fan was out in the woodwork there, Chris. And you know what that fan is, right? And that's uh, the it's the it's the old time fan, the old time fan, the the, yeah. the fan that you know, like yeah. back to the the way it used to be and, and, and this new all these new stats and stuff. But uh one Chris Russo, and Chris Russo hosts the show High Heat on the MLB Network, and Chris Russo probably had, I mean, just, it, everybody talks about, you, Chris, or I know that for a fact that Mark and I, Mark and I make fun of Chris Russo because he yells and try to make some point, and that's really right, but 
I'm gonna play this for the audience. Enjoy this. To all these great Astros players who won a championship and two pennants, that's all now in question. So they're dead. All of them are dead. I don't want to hear a word out of them. Now where's Verlander? Where is he? Where is Verlander? <laughs> They won a World Series. Game six against the Yankees. He pitched game two against the Yankees. Where is Verlander? He can't shut him up. Where is his comments now? Where is him here? Where are they? Now the Astro players. Guriel. El Tuve. Guriel. He pronounced it better than I did. Verlander. Got thousands of things to say. Verlander's kicking guys out of the media room because they don't like the fact they said something bad about him in these great free press. By the way, yeah, that was an anti Finnick reference there, by the way. I don't know if you caught that, but... I, I didn't. Yeah, because he goes, he was, you mentioned, he goes, yeah, free press writers getting booked. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I missed that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all um, of them, they got a cocky attitude. They're arrogant. Still or... Yeah, no, Chris Russo going off on a rant. And I, 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 that will be linked, <laughs> that will be linked on our show notes. You can check it out yourself, but... Well, I mean, he, he, he's got a point. Verlander gets pretty vocal about cheating and stuff, and then, like, here he is on a team with... Some of the most uh, egregious cheating, oh, even if it is super common, they got right. busted, and he we haven't heard anything from him. I, just, I was talking to you this morning. But there's something about that sort of there's just an inherent loudness. Yes. <laughs> and I was telling you, and it just totally reminded me. You know, I mentioned earlier about how you know I would watch wrestling because we had a a a jailbroken cable box basically back before cable was digital. You were able to get a chip, and then you could get all the pay-per-view channels. So people would come over to our place and watch wrestling or all the boxing matches. And there was so we watched so many of those that I got uh, I got in the habit of, of impersonating a guy named Harold Letterman, who uh, he, he was. I, 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 it's weird that he was employed, but basically during the fights, you know, it'd be like Jim Lampley and, and what's his name uh, doing the the. The commentary and talking and then like the third round they'd go or fourth round they'd go down to harold letterman to see how he was scoring the fight he was basically their like their ringside judge and he, he would always be like and hey, let's go down to harold letterman and he'd just go well jim i got a six round to four right goes Trinidad can't touch him at all he's going over the four he's seven and four and every time every time well jim it's gonna prince does see my man and it's yeah antonio tarver it just, uh, yeah, it was hilarious. And rest in peace. I, I looked him up. He's dead. Harold Letterman. Uh, and I'm sure I used to do a much better impersonation because it's been years since I heard him. But yeah, there's something about Chris Russo that reminds me the same way. And you do a, a good Russo impersonation, I think, right? Yeah. What in? That's, come on. That's yeah. my matter here. Come on. Yeah. So, and you know what? We didn't. So all, all this stuff, we didn't even talk about. There was another secondary ridiculous story in in baseball today. That uh, luckily for her, all this other stuff went down, or else it would be the main story. But it was Jessica Mendoza. Oh yeah, I was gonna. I, I, have, who, a, I have the pull. Uh, I have her, her apology pulled up. So whenever you, I'll, I'll say okay. it afterwards. Go ahead. So well, first of all, you know she, and this has been happening for a while. She, everybody loved it. We loved it when she got on to uh, Sunday Night Baseball. It was nice. It was different perspective. She seems to know a lot about the game. Yep. But then she got hired by the Mets and kept her job uh, as an announcer. And everybody's like, well, how does this work? You're, how is that possible <laughs> that you can be impartial in any capacity? And she comes out today and was she on the, the I don't know, Golick and is it Wingo? I don't know who yeah, does the show. Yeah, it used yeah, to be yeah. Mike and Mike. I don't know who does now. Yeah. Uh, and, and basically said she was upset with Mike Fires for go, you know going public with this story rather than I don't know, going through the proper channels, talking about to the team or Major League Baseball, which is obviously horseshit. If you talk to the team or Major League Baseball, they're not going to do anything. Right. Uh, and this is why it's like, yeah, so you're a front office person, and that's your perspective, and that's why you can't be an effective journalist. <laughs> you can't be an effective front office person because you're trying to pretend to be a journalist too. Uh, and by the way, there's a lot of that going around. Like Josh Reddick's wife was posting memes about calling like Mike Fires a snitch and stuff like there's a lot of backlash against Mike Fires for telling the truth and blowing this thing open which is you know I just it kind of tells you baseball is very much a mirror of American society at all times from for every aspect and this basically tells you like people shoot the messenger an awful lot we see it going on in, in, in politics right now and, and in this too so it's it's ridiculous but then so then she came out a couple hours later because that was obviously getting some serious heat and then she 
wrote an apology that really sucked. And you've got it right there, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yes, I do. So here it is. And and before we get to that real quick, it, the, the thing that, that I wanted to, to clarify, too, about that, what I find ironic about that, that the snitching thing is there's so many people out there on Twitter who telltale on each other. Yet for something serious, oh, well, should be whistleblowing like that. That's ridiculous. And they call out the whistleblower. But then you report somebody for tweets. I don't, that's so stupid to me. Yeah. Or or point out somebody that misspelled something. But yeah, I don't want to get into that either. No, it, yeah, I mean you're, you're right. It's it's there's a weird double standard a, with it. Very r- weird, strange thing when society gets angry at somebody who blows the whistle rather than somebody who's breaking the rules. Yeah. I mean, and and I like you know what I'm not. Uh, I don't know what a good goody two shoes or whatever, but like you know. You should give people credit when they're willing to go and put their ass on the line and know there's going to be repercussions. Well, I mean, it, in other words, okay, what Mike Fires did was brave and he should have done it, and people are going to have their opinions about it. And cheating is wrong no matter what. It doesn't. That's the point. That's uh, that's what we're trying to say, or that's what you're trying to say, Chris. Essentially, right? Yeah. No. I, yeah. Exactly. And, and it's just like it's weird that. Uh, the way that people are reacting to that. It seems very odd to me. Yeah. So, and then here's Jessica Minoza's apology. Thought it was important to clarify my earlier remarks about the sign-stealing situation in MLB. Most importantly, I feel strongly that the game of baseball will great will benefit greatly because this sign-stealing matter was uncovered. Cheating the game is something that needs to be addressed, and I'm happy to see the league has taken appropriate action. The point I should have made was much more clear was this. I believe it was very critical that the news was made public. I simply disagree with the manner in which it was done. I credit Mike Fires for stepping forward. Yet I feel that going in the direction directly toward your team and or MLB first could have been a better way to surface the information. Reasonable minds can disagree. Ultimately, what matters the most is that his observations were made public and the game will be better for it. In regards to the Mets... I'll make it extra clear that my advisory role with the team does not shape my opinion in any way, shape, or form on this matter. I feel this way regardless of what teams, players, or managers are involved. Yeah, well, and so yeah, this is, that wasn't making anybody happy. And of course, we didn't even touch about it. Major League Baseball said basically said teams cannot talk about this. They put a gag order out. We don't want you talking about this. And so the the Dodgers released their uh, we found out about that because the Dodgers released a press release saying we can't talk about that or how we lost the 2017 World Series to the Astros, which is a very passive aggressive fun thing to do. But I think she's the first member of a front office to come out and and say something, which is again like this is a weird position where she's trying to get you know, got one foot in two pools and. I don't know how it works, but... Uh, Did you see Trevor's Bauer comment to it, too, of uh, the original quote? He said this, There's been two years of eternal discussions, medical points filed, back channels used, evidence presented, no investigations. Sometimes you have to force issue or nothing gets done. Yeah, and, and he's absolutely right. Uh, Trevor Bauer, who we've, we've complained about a lot, is, is 100% right there. Like, there were all sorts of stories when, when this stuff was coming out. They're like, hey, you know, we've heard things about buzzers and beepers and all that stuff but if you don't put a name to it and we've seen this again going in everything else how much people say oh well that's not real because it's anonymous sources uh, you know not knowing how news works and how the, the editors and the writers have to know the real sources or they won't print it so then when somebody goes on the record you say oh you're a snitch it's like it's like you can't have it both ways um and this is yeah i mean this is a, a big thing it, it, i mean it sounds silly but it uh Mike Fires has got two no-hitters, but this probably will be the biggest thing he's ever done in his career, blowing this up. It's already It resulted in three different managers getting fired and one general manager. And who knows what uh, else is coming for the Red Sox and what else is, uh, is you know, coming for the league in terms of <laughs> new ways to combat sign-stealing and or you know, technology for tra- transmitting signs between pitchers and catchers. And one thing we didn't talk about, to bring it back to the Tigers, yes, is the Red Sox losing their first and second round pick this year, or not the Red Sox, the Astros, and who knows, maybe the Red Sox too, uh, moves up the Tigers' picks a little bit. So as of right now, they're picking first and 38th, I think, which is uh, good. And then 
in the sixties and then seventy third. So they got four picks in the top seventy five this year, which is uh, this is a very critical draft for them. And they're gonna have a lot of money. So hey, nice work, Astros. Maybe that helps a little bit. Yeah, speaking of, speaking of college or speaking of the draft, by the way, and pertaining to college, there will be a emphasis for us going forward. Some college baseball talk. So there's, uh, I wanted to talk about that a little bit more as the season goes on. This, the college season starts in a couple of weeks, and we're going to be emphasizing that because there's some players that could potentially land on the Tigers, and not to mention with the Michigan run last year in the tournament, I think it'd be cool to get more into college baseball. No, absolutely. You can, you can count on two of those picks, at least two, if not three, of those top 75 picks or whatever for the Tigers being well-known college players, and, and somebody will will have talked about several times before they get drafted. Yeah, Baseball America did pick uh, Austin Martin to be the first pick by the Tigers. And by the way, one of the comments on the, the whole Jessica Mendoza was, might have missed your calling as an NFL-level defensive back because that's a hell of a backpedal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. it's all. It, it was just such a crazy day. Yeah, it was. There was so much, so much going on, and I, I I've been been off Twitter for the last few hours. Who knows what else has happened? Um, I think I saw before that Tommy Pham was like they're circling bulges in Jose Altuve's jersey. I'm like, look at that. Um, you know, so everybody's turned into like a a weird internet sleuth, like from that uh, Netflix documentary. Yeah, the Aaron Hernandez thing too, which. My oh brother, yeah, I started watching that the other night, but I didn't. Uh, I only made it like two minutes. Yeah, my brother was telling me some. I haven't had a chance to watch it. But he told me some story about his friend and him in junior high, and some. It seems like it's insane. Some insane stuff going on, and some storylines. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think there was a story about like he had a longtime boyfriend that yeah. has now come out. Like, a, yeah, I never knew about that. Um, and it just sounded like a like a crazy dual personality guy. Like he would be a loving father and nice and sweet, and then just go off the deep end next. And it's like, you know, people are complicated, I guess. Like somebody was pointing out how, you know, Alex Cora is clearly this deeply devious cheater. And yet he's done all these great things for Puerto Rico. And like, he's a very charitable person. And it's like, yeah, well, you know what? People are complicated. You know, and by the way, real quick too, you know, other part that slipped in there today that really sucked with all the Twitter madness, Mindhunter has been put on infinite hold. Yes, I saw that. It sucks. Because uh, David Fincher is just too busy, and he doesn't want everybody else to wait. You know, it's a bummer. I mean, the thing is, the book basically only covers what they covered in the first two seasons. So they would have to, like, the, there's a lack of source material, at least uh, in written form. I'm sure they could drum up a whole bunch of it by just looking at it from history and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of my favorite shows over the last few years, and, and it sucks to know that it's probably not coming back. Yeah, that really sucks, and it's unfortunate. But do all the madness. But yeah, it's it's been a crazy day, and I think this is more content than I expected in a January show that we've done in ever. I can't think of it. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of no, it. Yeah, we we've talked about it a couple of times, but the contrast between this off season and last off season just couldn't be starker. And we still, you know, we we didn't talk. The Twins signed Josh Donaldson. Yeah, uh, that's how I was I like. Told, well, I totally hey, forgot about that. Matthew Boyd. Um, I mean, that, that's a great move for them. They re-signed Miguel Sano, who I assume was just going to be their DH. Um, although, well, they have Nelson Cruz as DH, don't they? For one more year or so, I don't know if Sano's going to be no, I think he, I think Nelson Cruz. I think No, I think Nelson Cruz is a free agent. Is he? I thought they signed I, him for maybe, two years. Maybe, 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 maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I, I thought, well, let's take a look. Yeah. Um, in any event, they've got a pretty nasty-looking roster now. Uh, you know, Donaldson is, is a great two-way player. And um, oh, yeah, they, he's, they he's, he is with the Twins. Yeah, he's got one more year deal. So I I guess they'll be moving Sano, uh, who is first base shaped, over to first base. Uh, they got they still have Marlon Gonzalez. Yeah, I mean they're going to have a uh, and Buxton and Kepler and Eddie Rosario had a great season. So yeah, I was saying you know they could use they could use a Matthew Boyd. Especially yeah. if they're going to have, uh, you know, if they've got Sano for three more years and they put him at first base and they've got this outfield and they're going to have, it would seem that they have uh, at least one outfield prospect uh, who's expendable, either Trevor Larnick or Alex Kirilov. But um, I don't know. They, they'd like to probably don't feel the need to do anything like that. Maybe they'll wait to the trade deadline to see who's available. But yeah, I mean, they, they seem like the favorites in the division again. 
Yeah, I mean, I, the White, even though even though the White Sox have done so much, it's, it's it'll be fun watching the other teams other than the, the Royals. Yeah, I think they're gonna have. I think the the White Sox might honestly, the White Sox might edge them out in, in a because they might have a little more pitching. If the Twins add another pitcher, then I'll feel better about it. But so, who do the Twins have in their rotation right now? They signed Homer Bailey and Rich Hill, right? Yeah, um, and then they have Odorizzi, who had a great year, Pineda. They brought uh, or Lewis Thorpe was he a starter? Well, somebody think. Oh, and and of course their young young kid who's uh, where yeah. is he? Barrios. Or, so uh, just... And what about Del, uh, Delvin Smel? Oh, no, Smelter was out of the bullpen, wasn't he? Yeah, Smelter, Smelter, yeah. Smelter. <laughs> uh, and and Bruce Dar, Gretarol, I think probably going to stick with him in the bullpen. But yeah, I, they've got a, a decent rotation. It's you know. Oh yeah, I forgot they they, they, they were uh Tyler Clipper too on the back end of the bullpen. It's. I, I picture another unfortunate season end for the the Twins though, where they you know they win the Central and guess who they're getting in the playoffs? The Yankees. The Yankees. Yep. And where they where they've lost what 16, 17 games in a row in the playoffs? Yeah, like three twelve or something against them lifetime or something ridiculous yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know what I forgot too? They got that uh, Duran kid too, who John Duran. He throws yeah. really hard. They got him from the Diamondbacks, I believe. Yeah. I mean, he was. Um, uh, he, he's. I mean, he's. He's only been. Was he? He's only been, I think, double A only. He's twenty one. I mean, he had some decent numbers last year in double A too. Is from when he's down Pensacola, but some good strikeout numbers. So that that that's a that's a kid. If they if he figures it out right, he could be a mid season like kind of a call up and help him out. Yeah, absolutely. They, they've got they're pretty well suited to compete here for the near future. Just as the White Sox are. I mean, I think they got a year or two head start on the White Sox, but the White Sox are, are coming up, and Cleveland is. Despite not really doing anything, they're still pretty damn good. They still have Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez and Mike Clevenger and Carlos Carrasco and Shane Bieber. They've got a lot of talent there. It's just not terribly deep. So, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's going to be it'll be kind of fun watching these teams. And, and, you know, I wanted to mention you talked about all the non-roster invitees for the Tigers and spring training. Spring training is going to be pretty fun to watch this year because yeah. I think the Tigers themselves tweeted out that that. Ten of their top eleven prospects, according, I don't know, according to MLB Pipeline or whatever, are going to be there in camp. I guess the exceptions would be probably Riley Green and Parker Meadows. I would think he'd probably be in that, that range. But all the pitchers, uh, and who knows with Franklin Perez or whatever. But uh, yeah, it'll be fun watching all those young guys this year. Not to mention, too, it'll be their first looks at who they got in the Rule Five draft from uh, yeah, Ronnie Garcia. Yeah, Ronnie Garcia. There's also the AAA Rule 5 pick up the... Uh, Ruben? Is it Ruben Garcia? Ruben Garcia and then Brian Shales, who, I mean, you know, whatever. He's just roster fodder. Not to be... I'm not trying to be a dick about it or anything, but it is what yeah. it is. But, uh, yeah. And I will be... Yeah, I'll be down there March 24th to the 31st. I still got to figure out... I'll be all backfields taking pictures, learning from Chip. Outstanding. Yeah, Kidnapping so. Roberto Campos. <laughs> Somehow, like... He's used to it. I'll talk, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll use my Spanish and, and finagle my way down there. I did my first interview in Spanish uh, yesterday at, at an event I did for work. That was, that was my, yeah, that was, yeah, another story for another time nice. for that. But, yeah, it was really cool. But, anywho, yeah, so all that happened on Twitter today. There's a lot to catch up on. And speaking of double A, I mentioned just double A now. Yeah, nice. I was going to say we got a question. Yeah, we did get a question from our friend Anna Perez who lives in the, in the Flint area, the reason why I know that is because him and I became Facebook friends because I sometimes post in the Tigers group various breaking news and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, he had a question about who would replace Mike Rubio or Rebello in AA Erie. Yeah, I don't know if we touched on that or not, but, yeah, Mike Rebello was hired away. He was going to be the AA manager for the Seawolves, uh, but hired away to be on the major league staff, I think, in Pittsburgh, right? Yep. Um, and it's, Which sucks because he was a – I think pretty widely uh, revered in the, within the organization as a future, you know, an up and comer, maybe a potential Tigers manager. Well, certainly uh, other teams are seeing that too, so that's pretty cool for him. Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of difficult to project who might be the manager there. Now we we were discussing beforehand. I, I would be lying if I told you I have a great grasp on the minor league coaching <laughs> circuit, uh, but we did come up with a few names uh, aside from the. The funny suggestion we both thought of of Doug Mankiewicz. They're already paying them. <laughs> or uh, yeah, you but, said you said Andrew Graham is a possibility, but there's 
But yeah, he coached there a couple of years ago, and and I think yeah, he brought him up, and he was also another guy who was kind of considered an up and comer. But he's back at Lakeland, so they could bump him up. Yeah, and we were talking about this earlier too before the show. There's no real rhyme or reason for. In terms of even like the Tigers had Mike Henneman, they let him go. They had Mike Moroff, they let him go. There has been, like there are certain organizations that have like their guys and their themes and everything. But if you even think about it for the grand scheme in the in the grand scheme of things, Chris, I mean, outside of Andrew Graham, I mean, Tom Prince is outside of the organization. And then I think I'm trying to think of who the uh, gentleman in Norwich is. He's new. Oh, God, yeah, I forgot. Um, what was it? Brian Payne at this year? No, he's West yeah, Brian, he's at West Michigan. He's at yeah, yeah. he's the first year at West Michigan. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to figure we, and one of the things is, is just to, you got to kind of understand what the, the position of a manager in the minor leagues is, is you're, you're basically like a clerical worker. Um, and we saw it when we went and we talked to Lance Parrish, you know, it's right after the game. I don't know if he talks to the team for a minute or two and everybody's eating or whatever. He goes into his office and he logs right in to Caesar, you know, the internal database and he's writing reports on what he saw and you know every player is like that's what you do you write reports as a manager and um if you're not doing that timely in a timely fashion or not doing as much of that like that that's a huge aspect of the job because the the team needs that information um so yeah it's it's kind of hard to you can't just go ah well this guy's probably good manager material you don't know if he's going to be down with doing that sort of you know tedious work uh and by the way, Lance Parrish was a name that I, I thought he has coached at Erie before, and they had just moved him into the front office as, as kind of a, as a special assistant to Alavila, I think. But maybe, who knows, maybe they'll bump him back down to manager a little bit more. And the, the one other name I thought of is Basilio Cabrera, who I think, you know, I, and I, I, I'm just going off what it says on MinorLeagueBaseball.com. Uh, um, he was listed as the third base coach for the Toledo Mudhens which seems like something that would be fairly easy to replace, not to denigrate his skills at waving people home and relaying signs. But he had managed before in the system. He managed the Gulf Coast League for many years. And his son, Jordi Cabrera, was, was a, like a second-round pick or third-round pick of the athletics at one point. And he actually was in the Tiger system briefly. I think he was drafted as a shortstop, but I think he came to the Tigers as a pitcher. But in any event, that's somebody who you could see. I imagine they'll fill the position with somebody we haven't really heard of. In a couple of weeks, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, no one, no one saw Tom Prince coming. Nobody. So you're right. Yeah. You could probably, Adam. You answered your question. Either if they do eternally, it would just be very relatively those couple things we mentioned. But that that's about it. I, that I mean, and, and it'll be some name that we never heard of. I already have a feeling about it. So, and they're gonna whoever is there is gonna have a lot of talent again, just because there's no place for all these arms. It's probably going to have Mize there for a little while, and, and maybe a Scooble again, uh, even though he was ridiculous. Also, and keep, Wentz. Keep, I, I don't know it's like, yeah. it's hard to figure where all these guys are going. You know, our, Zeke was trying to plot all that out. You know, projecting the minor league rosters, and it's just there's so many starting pitchers at roughly the same level. It's hard to figure out how they're going to do it. Not to mention too, Matt Matt or Matt Hall still hasn't cleared waivers yet. So imagine him coming back to AAA. Yeah, it, it, which is entirely possible. You know, I think who was it? Evan Woodbury said uh, he thought he might get grabbed, and, and I could see that too, because he is young, youngish. He has, he has that one plus pitch in his curveball. It's a really high spin rate. He seemed to be improving. I think we talked about that. You know, he's throwing a little bit harder, and and seemed to be improving. But still, you know, he's a lefty, possibly a loogie, which may not exist anymore with the three, better minimum. So. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, so it it goes to show that essentially right now it's gonna be a, it's gonna be crowded down there, and so pitchers and catchers report to camp on February twelve February twelfth, so not too far away, so less than a yeah. month away. And so speaking of that, there will be some updates coming to the board soon. But again, all we're keeping that all kind of under wraps now. But uh, so yeah, with some plenty of content going forward, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else we missed or no. I'm sure there is, but I can't think. I mean, there's so much that happened today that probably pushes some of that out of my mind. But uh, I think it's about it. I think the Tigers roster is probably close to finished. Some people still think, you know, they might go after an outfielder. And, and who knows? I mean, Ozuna is still out there. Puig still out there. Castellanos is still out there. I'm, I'm getting 
sort of more convinced that none of those guys is going to get a big deal. Yeah. Might, someone might just take a one-year deal even. But, uh, yeah. I'm, Maybe it's with the Tigers. Yeah. He's Puig, I mean, Puig, if he gets all yeah, – look, I, would ta- I take him in the right field. We looked at the outfield yeah, I mean, situation. You wrote your piece about uh, the outfielders the other yeah. day. Yeah, the outfield is just there's not much, not much settled out there. Yeah, it's uh, it's a wide open game right now. And look, I'll, I'll say this, and because I, I, the the way I can say it, because I can verbally say this. Look, I have a lot. I have faith in Travis Demerit. I think Travis Demerit, he may not be like I, I, I don't know. I have, I have a good feeling about him, and I, I, I don't, I don't have enough of a sample size to just cast him off. But at least he can play. I know that his outfield skills. I think, I mean, like I said, the reason why I suggest him in the left is you can see what he has out there. He has experience with it. So I, I got faith. And, and and even with Christian Stewart, too. So, I mean, like I said, they, they, it's a make-or-break year for either. I think it is a make-or-break year for them this year. They especially going to get 400 at-bats if they don't pick up an, uh, another outfielder. So Yeah, it, it should be. If they don't, it'll be – that's another thing that'll make spring training interesting. They'll be – a number of jobs open. Um, you know, there's going to be a, a competition for third base. I think there'll well, be a competition be, for right though. field, for left field. There'll be, yeah, it shouldn't be, but I think they're they're I mean, theoretically, it will be. Yeah. Um, and there's competition for the second catcher, and uh, you know, competitions for the rotation and the bullpen. So it, it'll be kind of fun to see how that plays out. Yeah, yeah, there should be plenty of yeah, plenty plenty of stuff to talk about, of course. So I mean, next week, who knows what? <laughs> there might be some more can of worms open up at this point. But uh, we're out of time. Thank you so much for listening to Tigers SRD on the Tiger Mighty League Report Network, of course, on the Overtime Media Network. So tomorrow there'll be we'll, we got something in the works that will be coming out Monday. But again, all hush hush for now. So the Mark Mark Harris and Brian Sadowski. We're on the ep- first episode of the 2020 season, so plenty of contact there. Chris, you said they turned out pretty well. Yeah, it was a good. Uh, it was just about an hour talking almost exclusively about the draft coming up, and then also a little bit on the draft in 2021. And uh, if you're into that sort of thing, I think people you know will, will enjoy it. Some really uh, intelligent, informed discussions in there. Awesome. So look forward to that. Until then, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.